Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to r slash nuclear revenge, where this man gets revenge on his ex by destroying his life in the best way possible. But very quickly, before we get into the incredible story, I first of all want to update you on my marathon progress and my charity fundraiser. As you can see on screen, we have now raised over £4,000 as a community. That is absolutely insane. And it means that we're now under £1,000 away from our target of five thousand pounds when i said that i thought that was a far-fetched dream never thought that was possible but now it looks like it just may be just need a few more donations and we're gonna get there and i also said that if we hit five thousand pounds then i'll be dressing up in the karen outfit again for an entire full length video that's 20 minutes of karen costume now as always with every donation you get a shout out and i owe a few of you a shout out so adam has donated two pounds and says hello i'm adam i'm an 11 year old boy with low autism and i'd like to help other kids like me thanks jack adam you're an absolute legend by the way guys if you do want to donate and get a shout out just like adam the link to do that is down below in the description as it is in every single one of my episodes no matter what platform you're on let's continue sus oh my god ah ad ah ad sus sus ah probably not a real name there i'm just gonna guess says hey redditor love your vids i'm nine years old and i've been listening since 2020 sorry i can't donate more but your stuff is really cool and you help me go to sleep at night bye five dollars thank you very very much absolutely love it then compare that to Nichelle Larson, who has donated, in terms of actual donations, probably more than anyone else. This might be their seventh or eighth donation now. Nichelle, absolute legend. Since your last video, Nichelle's daughter wants to give her birthday money. Her birthday isn't until November, so I thought it would be fair. $11 from Nichelle and her daughter. Shout out, YouTube. You guys are absolute legends. Now, the final shout out of this episode is to Pickalax Alt, who actually was the person who got us over the £4,000 mark by donating £33.56. Good luck on the marathon, Jack. I've been watching your videos, podcast style, for a while. Loving the stories and your takes on them. Greetings from Cambridge, MA, USA. Absolute legend. And there we go. That is the end of the shout outs for this one. Guys, if you would like a shout out, get in the description. You know what? I'll just quickly give you a little update on my progress. The other day, I ran the furthest I've ran so far 34 kilometers. You can see it on screen if you're on YouTube. It was quite hard. It took me two hours and 50 minutes. In miles, that's about 21 miles. And that is the longest run I'll do before the marathon, which is happening in three and a half weeks now. Running that at about eight minute mile pace. And my goal is three hours and 30 minutes. You know what they say, guys? The more you donate, the quicker I'll go because that would be a great incentive. Yeah, it might not work like that, but you know, I'm going to be running in the kid's jersey with the vest, with the name across the front. It's going to be great. So yeah, donate. Amazing charity kids who I've not even mentioned yet. They just do amazing things for disabled children and their families. And it's been an absolute pleasure fundraising so much money for them. You lot are insane. Let's get to the goal. And let's get in to this episode. Ex-boyfriend violates me and denies it. I ruin his life. At the beginning of these events I'm about to share, I was 20 years old. I'm now 21. 
I was involved in a five-month relationship with my ex-boyfriend jack He was also 20 and is now 21 who attends the same school as me We started dating in december and I broke up with him in may at the time I was taking a gap semester from school for previous unrelated reasons to the events being told here and was instead working full-time We went into this relationship both as each other's first We were also subsequently part of leadership in a student-run group with both of us being elected shortly before I broke up with him This is a story of what happened in this relationship as well as afterwards that subsequently resulted in me ruining his life I toyed with keeping this story to myself But the closure from my experience includes getting it off my chest and maybe some internet strangers can help me feel a little better about everything that happened I won't go overly specific to try and spare my identity hence the throwaway account But anyone who knows of the fallout probably knows who I am So those I stand by my actions and if my ex is reading this you deserve so much worse than what you got You are subhuman scum. So then, parts one to three provide context and a backstory that were abbreviated to get the gist across. And part four and five is where the revenge starts. Part one, the start. I did not know Jack at first before we started seeing each other. A mutual friend, Bestie, introduced the two of us because we shared similar interests. We hit it off and went on a few dates over the span of a few weeks. One night, Jack came to my place. We watched a movie and cuddled through the night. This was what I consider the official start of the relationship. We were seeing each other pretty much daily, even when he went home to visit his family. I lived within reasonable driving distance. The relationship moved in a way I consider relatively quick in hindsight. He also gaslit the words, I love you, out of me two weeks in by misshaping words I spoke into the phrase. Jack also mentioned shortly after we started dating that he had a previous ex in high school who was closeted, but the details I have are relatively faint. They were all disclosed by him. He mentioned that this relationship abruptly ended when the high school ex accused him of the R word, telling his friends, his high school admin, and his family. This reportedly drove my ex to therapy and ruined his social life. My ex swore up and down that he would never do such a thing to anyone, but wanted to be upfront with me at the beginning, though we were pretty much exclusive at the time he disclosed this. I, obviously taken aback by this, didn't think that he was capable of something like that, and I told him as such, and I comforted him for sharing such a vulnerable experience with me. I largely forgot about this afterwards, though. Part 2. The Relationship When I first started dating Jack, we discussed our preferences, what we were looking for, the standard relationship spiel. He told me that he was looking for someone masculine and I told him I wanted the same. We both assured each other we were masculine figures, but only one of us was telling the truth, which I'd come to find out during the relationship. He was honestly quite femme presenting. He would say things even before we started dating that in retrospect seemed somewhat off-putting or outright manipulative without raising red flags at the time. Again, this behavior became habitual throughout the relationship. Shortly after I started dating him, I joined a student-run design group that Jack was a prominent figure of. I've been exploring joining this group or one similar to it, but dating him at the time gave me the confidence to move forward with it. I didn't play a huge role in it initially as I was working full-time, but I began making acquaintances with those in the group as I was generally regarded to be a friendly face. Jack had acquaintances in this group that he would make comments about that were vile and sexual in nature. One of them was a mutual acquaintance of the both of us, and the things he would say made me question whether Jack was aware that we were in a monogamous relationship. These comments seemed to be attempts to invoke jealousy to me, but I never gave in. However, they only perpetuated the red flags that he was giving off. Part three, my own doubts, the break, and the breakup. 
I would argue my doubts began sometime around month three Some of the doubts that I felt involved the deepest questioning of my sexuality in my lifetime As well as whether I was truly attracted to jack I had a few people in my life that i'd been attracted to for a while and intruding thoughts of me being with them began to run through my head The red flags jack displayed began to illuminate in my mind and slowly these doubts I felt began to affect the relationship I'd never questioned my sexuality severely as I kind of always knew that I was a gay man I realized that I was starting to lose the spark that I thought I'd felt towards jack when we first started dating He also started to become more aggressive in initiating slash when I turned him down One time when I declined he angrily looked at me and asked me if I was sure that you're still actually gay This question rubbed me the wrong way because I'd long since shared my story with him about the discovery of my sexuality. I'd known I was gay for nine years at the time, though I'd only been out for two years. Needless to say, Jack slept alone that night. I worked to mend my side of the relationship, though there were many challenges to overcome. The gap in compatibility was quickly growing evident between the two of us and started causing tension. I had mentally begun to exit the relationship as I was beginning to feel guilty for not keeping him happy. Jack was also insistent that I quit my full-time job so I could go back to school and properly focus on it. And the job had started to demand more from me, up to 10 hours of overtime per week sometimes. I was steadfast on staying employed. I was a manager of a place I'd worked at for five years and this furthered the tension as he felt I was choosing work over him. Around the end of April, there were elections being held for leadership on the design team that Jack and I were now both a part of. They had an empty position for their treasury role for which I had experience with my job. So I ran for the role and got it. He'd been gunning for a project management role and was given it as well. This happened in conjunction with the relationship turning rocky, but it didn't seem like it would be a problem. It's important to note that this design team was quite important to Jack. He put a lot of time into it. It was his main thing outside of school and almost all his friends that he had were in it. I wanted to make sure that I could help this continue to thrive for him. So I kept trying to mend the relationship, though it was slowly wearing me down. Okay, guys, before we get into this next section, I just want to give you all a trigger warning of assault that is about to occur. One morning in early May, as I was sleeping at Jack's apartment, Jack attempted to make a move on me at 3.30 a.m. I, asleep at the time because I had work at 7, told him that I didn't want this and turned back over and went back to sleep. This seemed to stop him, but only temporarily. I stirred again at about 5.30 a.m. because I felt something on me. Jack was now on top of me. I tried to fall back asleep, but he continued, then proceeded to finish on top of me. I, disgusted, got out of bed and showered to get ready for work. He didn't say anything to me in this time frame, not even an apology. As I was about to leave his apartment, he stopped me and said that we should take a break. I tearfully agreed and left for work feeling like I'd done something wrong. The break was mentally relieving and challenging for me. I felt right being apart, but didn't feel right about everything that happened. I was still questioning my sexuality and was facing ever increasing challenges with work. I was tasked with managing two departments at once and worked almost every day during the break. I didn't talk to any of my friends about the break because I felt like I was the one that caused it. A few days later, Jack called me because he couldn't stand not being with you and wanted to be together again. I reluctantly eased back into it, but I'd mentally known the break was the beginning of the end. At this point, he'd moved back with his family about two hours away for an internship. So this post-break relationship was basically long distance. We talked and I told him I was going through tough times with work to try and justify my off behavior. 
and he began texting me sappy daily messages to which I largely ignored because they felt shallow and only made me feel worse. I responded to some of them and I'd pick up his phone calls, but this was mostly an effort to show that I was still alive and somewhat engaged in the relationship. On a Saturday morning, Jack called me super early and left a voicemail to the tune of an ultimatum, asking whether I was willing to make things work or if he needed to move on. This call was the final straw for me. I knew that this was when I needed to end it. I wrote a brief letter, called him back, and I read it to him. I broke up with him over the phone. This was not my finest hour, but he left me no choice. He was entirely taken aback by me calling the relationship off and tried to ask me to make it work manipulatively. I ended the relationship amicably because I thought I'd done something wrong and he agreed that we could remain friends. He called me early the next morning, begging me to reconsider though and that we could work it out. The phone call woke me up this time and I simply told him goodbye. I went to work that afternoon and had a mental breakdown. I felt guilty for the breakup and felt like everything that happened was my fault. I wound up putting my two weeks in at my job. I wound up staying and I'm still employed there though, unbeknownst to him, and I texted Jack that I'd done so. He responded that he was happy for me and that is the last direct communication I have from him. Part four, the discovery. The summer was relatively refreshing for me. I began to work on improving myself, made some new friends and cut back my work to a healthy amount, all while getting back to my school course load. I didn't talk to Jack at all during the remainder of summer. In fact, I didn't even see him until late August after full classes resumed when he passed by me with a new guy. Let's call him new boy. When I saw Jack walk by with new boy, he pretended not to see me, but I couldn't hold back an ugly cackle. Jack clearly didn't want anything to do with me, but the cackle was from seeing Jack with someone new because the manipulative statement he'd made when I dumped him became obvious. New boy was not exactly a good looking guy either, which only added insult to injury. A few weeks later, I had a falling out with the elected president, let's call her Prez, of the design team. I was tasked to compile a part of a report that required others to do their part first. This report was due on a day that I had plans that could not be put off and no one did their part until the last minute. Thus, I was unable to do my part and another board member wound up doing it for me. I was transparent with my plans and I'd said why I couldn't complete it on my own and the board member apologized to me for stretching me thin like that. The president, however, was angered. She berated me and aggressively doubled down when I tried to justify why I couldn't do my parts. The exchange drove me to nearly rage quit the design team, but I held my head up and instead got to thinking about a path that took the high road. One thought led to another, and suddenly I was thinking about why my relationship with Jack failed. We're supposed to be in correspondence with one another, but he elected to not work with me, which was partly why I couldn't do my task. I simply didn't want to work with him either. At the same time as the falling out with Prez, the design group had a photo shoot for all elected board members to receive headshot photos. I, not being close with any of the leadership, was mostly minding my own business. Jack, however, brought Newboy along to try and show off in front of me. Newboy wasn't even in the design group. This quickly became evident when they began cuddling directly in front of me. This wound up being a bad call on Jack's part as it only made me consider further why our relationship had fallen apart. In these thoughts, I thought back to that fateful May morning and a terrifying realization came across me. The happenings of that morning were textbook SA. In hindsight, I'm shocked I didn't realize it sooner. I realized I was a victim and it was hard to come to terms with it. 
I initially diffused it with humor in a weird coping strategy involving denial, but I told some of my closest friends of the discovery so I didn't feel alone. I also pondered how I should handle it moving forward. I also had never returned the two things he left in my apartment, his key and a shirt that he really liked, one of his favorites. I threw the key away, he probably had his locks changed, and I wound up burning the shirt. Then the memory of what Jack said to me about his high school ex ran through my head, which I'd initially forgotten. I'd been put in a mental trap that Jack was not capable of sexual misconduct, and this is probably why I'd mentally blocked the realization of me being SA'd for so long. Given what I experienced and based off what he said, I now cannot say that Jack did not R his high school ex, and this terrified me. I knew what I needed to do. I didn't believe that approaching Jack was the best move, but I felt that I was under heightened pressure since he started dating new boy and that he could potentially do it again. Part five, the reporting. Given that it took me over five months to discover the assaults, pressing charges was out of the question. I needed some form of administrative documentation if I couldn't press charges. And I wanted this by the book because I was disgusted that I was so severely wronged. Fortunately, my school has a program for Title IX that handles sexual misconduct. So I called them up and filed a report. In this report, I outlined in detail the happenings of that May morning and requested an informal resolution where my report was documented, but an amicable agreement was to be reached between Jack and I. There was a formal route that could result in academic repercussions as it went in front of a student honor court. But given my lack of hard evidence, there was an extremely high chance of the case simply being thrown out like it never happened. The informal resolution still logged the incident just in case anyone were to report him again down the line. The advisor that worked on my case had to be impartial, but he was on my side the entire time and reassured me that I was handling it correctly. In this resolution, I requested that Jack step down from his role in the design group, apologize to me, disclose the happenings to any current and future partners, consider going back to therapy, and be re-educated on the concept of consent. I asked for him to step down as the lack of communication between us and the team was starting to impact my work in the group further but I knew that it would also be a difficult decision for him to make. This was intentional as I wanted the consequences of his actions to sting. The latter four requests were semi-filler, but still had purpose, including covering my bases while staying by the book. The requested apology was so that I could feel some form of closure by him at least acknowledging he did wrong. The disclosure of the happenings was borderline intended to be a homewrecker for his new relationship, but also this is a reasonable thing to disclose to your partner. The therapy request was a low blow since he claimed he had to go before, but a genuine ask and the consent education was a dire plea because if he can't recognize that being asleep isn't consent, I'm not sure what he considers it to be. Part six, the interim and the reports end. In the midst of the report being filed and Title IX working on reaching out to Jack, the governing body at my school that manages student-run organizations deem me ineligible to be the design group's treasurer. Their system is really backwards and their reasoning was stupid. I didn't have enough credits to be considered eligible. They demanded a replacement treasurer. The president, who suddenly was nice because she needed something from me again, held a meeting and asked me if I'd be okay, still doing my job, but just marking someone else down as the treasurer to satisfy the governing body. I agreed. Now Jack was in this meeting and he quickly volunteered to put his name down with a smirk on his face. I, also smirking, simply said that was fine. The president then moved to crack a joke. She started to say how it's funny that Jack's taking your position since 
She quickly stopped speaking, wisened her eyes, and looked at myself, then at Jack. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Those few words told me that Jack had mentioned our relationship's end. The entire elected board was friends with each other, excluding me. And it also demonstrated to me that they were talking poorly about me behind my back. I firmly believe the comment she was about to make was her finding it funny that Jack was taking my position because we previously dated. But she stopped herself when she realized she was about to talk badly about me to my face. I smiled, feigned ignorance, and quietly dismissed myself from the meeting. Jack, on the other hand, was not staying in touch with Title IX. They reached him after about two months, and he initially admitted to the advisor that he did not disagree with the instances I described, but he wanted me to know that he was learning intimacy. I politely told the advisor that I could understand that to a point, as I was in the same boat as him, but that doesn't excuse his actions. I also asked the advisor if he decided on the resolution, to which he hadn't. The advisor then attempted to call Jack back to get a decision from him on whether he would follow my requests, but Jack began dodging phone calls for about two weeks. These two weeks were some of the hardest of my life. The ugliest parts of the relationship were playing through my head nonstop. I was drinking nearly nightly to ease my mind, not my proudest hour. I wrote a long emotional letter regarding my thoughts that was subsequently emailed to Title IX. I did this to document the feelings I had while further strengthening my case, which to people outside of myself was relying on anecdotal evidence. I called Title IX back, expressed my concerns once again, and they thanked me for the letter because it provided additional perspective from my side. I requested that when they reached Jack to give him this ultimatum, he needs to step down. I also asked they let him know that if he chose not to, that I would step down, but be thorough in explaining why I stepped down. I worded it intentionally because I'd begun to plan my exit with the design group and I was banking on Jack valuing his pride over accountability. I was right. After those two weeks, Jack finally picked up and told Title IX that everything that happened was consensual. I'm not stepping down and that's all I have to say. Title IX immediately called me with the news. I was simultaneously shocked, but not surprised. Even the Title IX advisor was floored that Jack had doubled back on his previous statements. I asked if the previous words or admission would hold up if I were to press charges, but because Title IX is protected speech, it wouldn't fly in court. I thanked the Title IX advisor for his help, knowing exactly what I needed to do. Jack had said the exact words needed for me to do my part all i have to say part seven the disclosure the aforementioned call came to me at 3 p.m on a friday shortly after i got home from classes less than 20 minutes later i was sitting in the office of the design group's faculty advisor we'll call them faculty advisor i told him what happened and what i was planning to do including my resignation jack's misconduct had not only wrecked my mental state but because i was outright afraid of being around him i was hardly participating in the design group outside of my administrative duties after i discovered i'd been assaulted by him the faculty advisor was extremely sympathetic with what i was describing and directed me to hold a meeting with the elected board including the president to announce my departure he gave me otherwise free will to figuratively set off a bomb i organized a meeting with the entire board 
for the following Monday, sans Jack, and alerted them that the meeting was important, all while keeping the operation under wraps from Jack. Come the Monday meeting, I'd created a fun PowerPoint presentation that created a quick slideshow touching on all the topics mentioned above. The board arrived slightly tardy and were chattering amongst themselves until I launched the PowerPoints with the words, wake up cool displayed on the screen. I thought the title was clever. Oh, wow, I get it. I started by thanking them for showing on such a short notice. I announced my resignation, a background of our relationship, what Jack did to me and what I did, including making the Title IX report and what's involved by doing that. The board sat there in silence, absolutely stunned at what I was presenting them. I further went on to delegate my treasury duties, offering to assist anyone that needed it aside from Jack. I slightly mentioned that Jack was definitively the one responsible for my duties due to his quick volunteering before, and I looked at Prez directly when I said it. The look in her eye at that moment was sheer terror. That moment of his volunteering and her comment afterwards flashed through her mind. I paused for a moment to regain my composure. It was a hard presentation. I held back tears giving it. Then I continued on. I read the group's governing documentation and pasted portions from it in the presentation. I outlined their impeachment process and I recommended that they vote to remove Jack from his elected position. I tossed in the group's zero tolerance policy on sexual harassment in the presentation for good measure. I reiterated that Jack had violated me while I was unconscious and questioned how anyone could ever consider those acts consensual or humane. Everyone else in the room was crying by the end of the presentation, which somewhat surprised me at the time. Again, they were all friends with Jack, but were not close with me. They thanked me for telling them what happened and told me they needed time to process everything, but that they would keep me updated on what they chose to do. The board also asked me if I would reconsider staying if he stepped down or was otherwise removed, to which I told them no. My justification was that my impact in the group was too deeply impacted by his behavior and that staying around would only be keeping my wounds open. I left the meeting with a huge weight taken off my shoulders. Part 8. The last interaction with Jack. I walked back to my car after the meeting and texted a professional resignation message in the group's communication channel, citing personal reasons and wishing the best for the group. This would be the first of the communications that Jack would receive related to the meeting that had just happened. I directed any treasury concerns to Prez while they worked to appoint a replacement. These communications were kept professional as I intended to come out of the situation with grace. Any malice could have disrupted my efforts to be credible. I then drove over to the faculty advisor's office with the intent of catching him up on the meeting that happened. I instead pulled into the parking lot to see Jack's car parked outside. I thought to myself, oh great, he's probably inside. This might be fun. Coincidentally, Bestie was also stopping by the building and I ran into her in the parking lot. I hadn't seen her in a while, so we hugged and I told her that I just stepped down from my position and that I was doing pretty rough. My mind was still quite fogged from the meeting I just left. I told Bestie that I wanted to talk, but right then wasn't a good time and I invited her to talk later. She was entirely unaware of the happenings between Jack and I. She knew we broke up, but not why. As I turned to move inside, I saw Jack sitting inside his car and I realized exactly what had just happened. From his perspective, he thought he dodged the Title IX bullets. He just saw me hug Bestie, our mutual friend, and had likely been reading the resignation message I had sent. Furthermore, I was going into the building where the design group runs out of, which was, not proudly, a relatively rare sight. To top it all off, his phone was also likely blowing up from the elected board calling and messaging him to figure out what was going on. 
The faculty advisor wasn't in his office when I dropped by, so I messaged him an update of what happened. And I sat inside for a minute to collect myself after everything that had just gone on. I then walked past Jack's car to get back to mine, ignoring his presence, and I left. I couldn't imagine what Jack was feeling at that moment, though it was likely some combination of terror and shock. Selfishly, it made me feel good. Part 9. The Fallout The following day, the rest of the elected board reached out to me, mostly individually, to express their sympathy and check in with me. I'd kept what happened to about 8 pertinent individuals in order to not paint the entire group in a bad light. I still wasn't sure if the group was going to follow through with the request that I made to remove him, or if they even believed me. Well, it turns out they did. That evening, I received a notification from the elected board's group chat, as well as the group's general chat, with a message that tagged everyone from Jack, stating that he was resigning immediately upon facing immediate removal. He name-dropped me in that message and stated that I'd made false allegations that were investigated by the school and dropped. They weren't dropped. Title IX doesn't simply get dropped. He also claimed that he sought legal representation for the claims. None of what I did was illegal, so I call BS here. And he stated that he was disappointed by his friends. He spun it as them choosing false claims over their friendship. He then somehow sent this message as an email to every person who'd ever been a part of the group at my school. 700 plus people get this email with my name on it at 9.30pm at night and my direct messages start going crazy. Why did I get this? What's happening? Are you okay? I don't know what's going on here, but he seems like he's hiding something. What was alleged? These are just some of the messages I got. I responded to most by simply stating that no one should have ever got on that email, but to not worry about me. But I was livid. The faculty advisor messaged me and he was livid. The entire elected board was livid and in shock, that he just sent that message. I messaged the faculty advisor to meet the following morning so he could catch me up on the internal fallout that I'd missed. Turns out the elected board immediately reached out to Jack and said that he needed to resign or face immediate removal. Jack threw a tantrum and sent out that message, which he felt vindicated himself from any wrongdoing. The message made the board even more convinced that they made the right decision because they thought Jack was hiding something with the defensive tone he held in the email. In this meeting, the faculty advisor also confided in me that Jack was banned from the lab space because of that email, which was extremely unprofessional and painted the entire group in a bad light. He name dropped the group in the email as well. Because of the severity of the email and the now on record events that had occurred between Jack and I, the dean of my school was also informed. The faculty advisor reassured me that I had handled the situation properly and commended me for taking the high road. I'd not once spoken poorly about Jack to the elected board, nor did I drag the group through the mud, though I very much had the opportunity to do so. I made him aware of the conflict between Prez and I in this meeting. I also spoke to Bessie that day, who also received that email, and I told her everything that happened. She'd remained friends with Jack after our breakup, and she told me that he said I'd ghosted him. She'd not previously asked for my side. Remember those sappy text messages he sent before he asked if he should move on? Yeah. My not responding to all of those, I had responded to some, and I'd called him in between them as well, was what he'd framed as ghosting. So I cleared that air with her too. She was absolutely floored he could do such a thing, but we reconciled over many questionable behaviors that he displayed throughout my relationship and, independently, her friendship with him. And finally, part 10, the wrap-up. With these events, I would say that I received my closure, or at least as close to closure as one can get in this type of situation. 
I don't think that Jack believes he's done anything wrong, but honestly, I'm okay with that. I simply stated what happened and it caused a daisy chain of reactions that culminated in Jack losing almost every single one of his friends, as the heavy majority are in the group and were made aware of what happened. Alongside his passion, which was the design group, and the space that he used to spend most of his free hours, in the group's lab. He also lost the faculty advisor's respect, who was a very prominent figure in our school, as well as Jack's now former boss. The school is keeping an eye on him now, while also potentially considering disciplinary action on him. When I say that the group was important to Jack, I mean it. When he wasn't in class, he was usually working in the group or spending time with the friends in it. I don't know what he's doing now. And honestly, I don't care. I don't see him around anymore. Now, remember new boy? Well, allegedly Jack was still together with him at the time I gave the PowerPoint. To keep my stance of being professional through my actions, I'm not gonna dig around to find out if that was the case. I don't know who the boyfriend is and Jack doesn't have a social media presence. Yeah, I could ask Bestie, but I believe that new boy received word of the incidences I brought forward. I suspect that Jack may be single as a result. Regarding the high school ex, I do not know who he is either, or if he even existed. This could have been a really screwed up lie that Jack made though. I made my decision to report Jack in the first place by going off the assumption that what Jack told me was the truth, that there were previous allegations made. I gave him the opportunity to take accountability for his actions, but he instead chose his pride and ruined his life in the process. As I initially stated in the beginning, Jack deserves so much worse for what he did to me, and most of the karma he received was due to his own pride-sparing actions. I would have sent him to jail if I could have, but the evidence I held would not be strong enough to put him there. He may not presently believe that he's done anything wrong, but those closest to him know that he did. And to me, the social repercussions he faced seem like almost suitable punishments. And there we go. That is the end of that one. Wow, what a story. An absolutely incredible tale. And I've got to say throughout all of this OP, it would have been so much easier in your spot to just throw your toys out the pram. I'd say honestly, validly, because what happened to you was a pretty terrible thing. Let's let's all be honest here and just go crazy and be malicious and try and get the worst possible punishment on Jack you possibly could and throw the entire organization under the bus. Just go crazy, you know, just do what, let's be honest, you would have been completely fair in doing and just saying, no, I need as much just as I can possibly get right now and not caring what kind of fire you left in doing so, but no. You had enough patience and grace and decorum to go about this in a much, well, I don't know, calmer way, right? I really don't think I would have been able to do this given what you went through, but fair play. Being able to say, you know what? I could go crazy here, but I'm gonna settle and do things the right way and just calm down and, and not ruin lives of people that don't deserve it, but just focus on Jack and ultimately let him cause his own demise because that's really what he did. I just want to mention one thing that you said at the end though, which I thought was interesting. You said you made your decision to report Jack in the first place by going off the assumption that what he told you was the truth. That there were previous allegations made. Now, fair enough. The fact that there were previous allegations obviously makes this guy more concerning, but there don't have to be previous allegations for you to report somebody who has done that to you. Yeah, 
the fact of the matter is that if other people are saying this, then of course it is more likely that it's happened in the past. But the fact of the matter is it happened to you and therefore report it as much as you want. Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for this one. Really hope you enjoyed it. An absolutely wonderful tale that I've got to say very well written. Um, if you guys ever want your stories read out on my channel, by the way, the more well written they are, the higher chance you have them being read out. That is one of the main things I look for. Not just a story, but if they read well. And this one certainly did. If you want more content from Nuclear Revenge right away from me, check it out on screen and in the playlist linked in the description. If you're new to my channel, follow, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified whenever I post. And I will see you all tomorrow with a brand new episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.